So, did you read anything this week? Yes, I read. However, I'm not through my complete pull list because holy shit! I know. I yeah, had the same was problem. Crazy. I'm like, I, I was sitting here trying to figure out which books is Paul going to want to talk about, and I know there's one I didn't read that he's going to want to talk about. I didn't. I didn't that? chew. Oh, I did read that, and I, I but I just got that Friday night. Yeah. Uh, but I was reading like a fiend on Wednesday and Thursday because originally yeah. we talked about recording on Thursday night. Yeah. So I was re- I was off Thursday, so all day I just you know read all the crap that I bought on Wednesday. Yeah, I've been trying to read this morning. So yeah. hey, I, I rolled out of bed, and, and that's what I've been doing. I've, I've been reading books, and but man, is it? You know, I didn't get to buy last week's books until this week because I was out of town. And Holy crap! Yeah, so I mean, I had two weeks worth of books to to read. How many books? I, I don't know. I don't count that high. Today we've got Jonathan Landreth from Kicking the Dice Bags. Welcome back, Jonathan. Thank you. Your your second grand appearance. It's Jonathan Strikes Back on Funny Cat, <laughs> Darren and Polly. Well, then this should be the better episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It'll be darker. It'll actually you know have some good writing and directing. Yeah, well, and I'll find out you're my father. <laughs> yes, I, I, I am your father. <laughs> no! Exactly. Exactly. So uh, yesterday was Halloween. We're recording on Sunday. This is our first Sunday morning recording for uh, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. And I know that, like myself, Paul and Jonathan have both been to Sunday services this morning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that what I'm doing now? Yeah. (laughs) So, Paul, uh, last night was your big Halloween celebration. It was. You know, actually, the last two days I've been dealing with – Halloween and Halloween celebrations. Uh-huh. How'd it go? It went really well. You know, we, um, maybe I'll post some pictures on the website of the butcher shop, which came out fantastic. Because mm-hmm. uh, the the theme for this year was the butcher shop, and um, so I converted my entire office to that butcher shop, and it's yeah, yeah, the walls are all covered with murals that look like the walls of a butcher shop. You know, there's a table with all his instruments and body parts. It was it was you know. I am I am super impressed with the decorating that was done, you know. But uh, it's the night before I got invited to a a Halloween party at a comic shop, so I was drinking beer in a comic shop. Yeah, I saw you Twitter about that, and I was sitting going, "Well, that lousy, rotten son of a yeah," <laughs> you know. Because I'm like, man, I want to drink beer at my comic book shop. Oh, I know. It was so cool. It was so unusual. And not only that, not only was it a Halloween party, there was a secret sale, uh, invitation only, um, that was 25% off everything, basically. Um, And this is one of those comic shops that's uh, like a graphic novel trade paperback store. Is that the Heroes and Villains? Uh, this is local heroes. Local actually. heroes. I'm sorry. Um, so you know he's got the wall, you know, of like the recent comics from the last couple of months. But most of the store is a is graphic novels, trade paperbacks, really well organized. I mean, I really love this store. So I'm walking around, you know, drinking a couple of beers, and I picked up six, oh no, five trade paperbacks, 
I was like, ah, I got to catch up. So I picked up New Avengers, The Search for the Sorcerer Supreme, mm-hmm. uh, Invis- Invincible Iron Man, World's Most Wanted, Secret Warriors, uh, Nick Fury, Agent of Nothing, uh, <laughs> Punisher, Dark Reign, and The Umbrella Academy, Dallas. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and they're all hardcovers, too. <laughs> so oh, that's nice. Holy crap. Uh, you know, I spent a decent amount of money, but yeah, I can get caught up quickly. That's right. That's excellent. And then the party at your place went well. The party at my place went well, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not hungover. Like we said, yeah. we're recording this first thing Sunday morning, and uh, even though it's kind of funny, the last guest left. The last guest left. We closed the door. I walked into the bedroom, and I'm I, I'm looking, and you know, my clothes from last night are sitting next to the bed, and I just, I guess, I just fell asleep. I just went straight to sleep. I left my wife to clean up everything. I felt so bad because I look out in the morning and everything is, you know, and other, the decorations are still up, but food and, you know, drink and all that. She did a great job cleaning, and I just, I just crashed. Wow. I didn't wake up till this morning. But. And so, so you left her to do all the cleaning up, and then first thing in the morning on Sunday, you hop on to record your podcast. Yep. Yeah, you are in it this afternoon, pal. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's she's nice. She actually she said, "Do you want me to run out and, be, and get you guys and get you some lunch?" I was like, "No, it's okay. You know, I figure I'll at least you know I won't be that much of a dick." Paul is not a t- <laughs> this is yeah, this is our recurring segment. Paul is a dick. <laughs> well, it, it is a universal constant. Yeah, so Paul is a drunk dick this week, apparently. You know, you can travel through any number of interdimensional gateways, and the one constant will be that in every alternate universe, Paul is a dick. Yep, in all 52 worlds. That's right. That's right. Well, okay. Well, it sounds like your Halloween was good. Uh, yeah, how was everyone else's Halloween? Uh, I, I should address someone specifically. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, how was your Halloween? Did you do oh, anything? It was good. Uh, in, in honor uh, of Halloween, I read Haunt, number one. Which you I, you guys know, ended. I, I listened to your uh, "Kicked in the Dice Bags" episode this week, where you had jo- uh, Joe Selby on, and you know, I, number one, that 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 show, what is it, almost four hours long? It was like yeah, three and a half. I mean, almost. My God, it took me all week to listen to that episode. But awesome. About like I think somewhere in you know deep into hour two, <laughs> you mentioned that you had read Haunt One, which is a huge step for you because you don't read anything but Marvel. Yeah, and uh, it was a book so good that I read it again. It's a good book. Wow. It is. And, you know, I have to challenge something Joe said. Joe was uh, was uh, saying, oh, well, you know, it's Image. You'll only get like four of those a year. But, you know, Kirkman's really good about getting his books out. You know, Walking Dead comes out regularly and uh, uh, Invincible comes out regularly. I mean, he's up to, what, issue 67 now on Invincible? I, I, I think that you'll be happy with the frequency that Haunt comes out. So, just now, challenge tell me about you. Invincible. Like, is it any good? Invincible is awesome. It is mm-hmm. awesome. I hadn't started reading it until uh, Paul recommended it. And it is uh, one of my favorite superhero books now. In fact, I just picked up the 10th trade paperback this week. So, I, it's, a, it's an awesome book. Yeah. And it, like Aaron said, it's on issue 67, but they have these um, ultimate collections that I think collect. 12 yeah. issues a piece and you know they're they're pretty much caught up you know so you can buy like four books and get caught up but i think i think you dig it well i don't know you're not much of a spider-man fan are you i i read spider-man <laughs> i mean because you know it's a young hero like you know like a, a young spider-man type yeah. thing but I'm, i don't know I, I can't honestly say invincible is something that no one would like because i mean i think everyone would like invincible it's that well written 
Well, well it, does it feel like a hero's book? Because yes, that's does. that's what's irking me is that it, you know, all all the comics I read and I've yet to uh, to really read a, a superhero doing superhero stuff. Well, it, it is it is a, a very much a story of a of a young man coming into his own, inheriting his his father's you know heroic heritage. And then becoming his own hero. And what I like about it so much is that he really builds, you know, a lot of times when you're reading uh, uh, comics that come from a company other than Marvel and DC, you have a really thin kind of superhero community. And he has developed this very robust uh, superhero background and history and uh, lots of characters out there and lots of just really unique characters. And some of it's just an homage to superhero comics in general, but he does surprise you a lot. And that's one of the things that really caught me about the book is, you know, things don't go the way you think they're going to go. So I do, I highly recommend Invincible. And I think this is probably our fourth time to blow Robert Kirkman a little bit about how much we like, uh, how's, how's the art, the art style in the book. You know, it, I, I, he's had two artists on the book. The first artist I think was on three issues or four issues, something like that. Um, and then uh, he had the, he has the current artist who is Corey Walker, I think, mm-hmm. or is that the original artist? Help me out here, Aaron. I I don't know who's drawing it currently. I know that where I'm at in the series. Let me grab it really quick. I'm reaching. It's uh, Otley at the moment. Yeah, Ryan Otley. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Otley is the. I mean, he's drawn every issue other than the first couple. Yeah, I think you know uh, you know he actually you he can was, actually see his art improving. It's the absolutely. guy who draws Haunt. Yeah. He does the he does the uh, what the final pencil the he does the pencils for for, for, for Hunt yeah so and but you know bear in mind it looks very different than Hunt because Todd McFarlane does the inks but you mm-hmm. know the and I'll say he draws differently for Hunt I mean he he's trying to draw the the scary kind of horror grittiness whereas the Invincible really has that that four color kind of this is a superhero comic kind of thing yeah see that's a, a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Is some of the artists that that uh, Marvel's got working for them now who just do not know how to draw a superhero in a spandex costume? Yeah. Well, and, this is very superheroy. I mean, it, it is completely in your face. Uh, you know, this is a superhero book. It's not trying to be anything else, except that the the stories are such. And the way and, and the reveals are such that you know it, it catches you by surprise more so than you know your standard fair superhero comic. I love them. I love them. I'm I'm all about Invincible. My goal is I'm to be have definitely. to pick it up. Yeah, do it. I, I I've just been really uh, aching for the stereotype. You oh, know, it, you'll like comic this. book hero beats up comic book villain, uh-huh. foils his plot. Like I, I've really been wanting some of that, and with everything going on with pretty much villains ruling the Marvel universe now right. it's it's been very difficult to come I think by. you'll like invincible I, think I, you'll I agree well for Halloween uh, we gave out candy and so in preparation for for uh, giving out candy at Halloween at stately head Manor uh, I, I put together my Halloween playlist and had you know uh, things like Brahms or I'm sorry box uh, Takata and fugue in D minor uh-huh. and had uh, you know the Exorcist theme I had uh, you know the Beetlejuice theme and you know, a lot of Danny Elfman <laughs> on, <laughs> on the playlist, and I, I had I, I imported a bunch of Ghoul Town over there as well. Every time Ghoul Town would come up, somebody would go, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob Justice recommended Ghoul Town to me. <laughs> Who the 
hell's Rob Justice? I mean, it started the whole chain of events that, uh, but, uh, we, we gave out, uh, candy and, you know, I'm always kind of, you know, interested in seeing how many superhero costumes show up at the door. And last year we had a ton of them. And this year we had three, we had two Batman. It was two different Batman. It was a movie Batman and comic book Batman. And then we had a Spider-Man and that was it. No other superheroes this year. Well, not a whole lot of superhero movies yeah. this summer. Well, you know, last year there were several Iron Men who showed up. And you're right. I mean, I think it's, I think it's all driven by the movies. Yeah, because we had Dark Knight last year. I mean, we had a, a good number of superhero movies last year. And yeah. Has there been a superhero movie this year? I mean, I'm sure there has, but... Has there? I don't think so. An actual superhero movie. Wolverine. Huh? Wolverine. Ah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But that's not no, really a- an actual superhero movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to see a kid coming up to my door as Weapon X. So, you know, put on some more clothes, kid. Please. <laughs> well, you know, I every year I struggle with the same thing. I want to give out comic books with candy. Ooh, that's a good idea. I, you know, and I, I've I've got you know umpty zillion long boxes in here that you know I'm, I'm weeding through, and I keep thinking I want to give out comic books, but I, I'm all. I, I always decide not to because I'm afraid of being that guy who gives out the wrong book. Yeah. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you're in a lawsuit. Well, um, you know, Diamond, and you can talk to your local comic shop, I guess, for next year. Uh, Diamond actually offers Halloween comic books, mini comics. Um, oh, really? And, you know, uh, I know last year they had a, a Peanuts. You know, like it was all the it was a collection of Charlie Brown Peanuts. Yeah. Um, and they're super cheap. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know there's, you know, usually uh, a couple of like a Scooby Doo or something like that. Uh, but yeah, they have about, I would say, about ten, you know, uh, Halloween comic books huh. that you can hand out. I and did I not know that. Yeah, like I said, and I think they're super cheap, and you know, probably about the same as buying as much candy as you probably have to buy. Yeah, candy ain't cheap. Well, you know, we had we had uh, last year we had a ton of kids, and this year not very many. There, the park down the street was having a. Uh, a big Halloween party thing. And so I think most of the kids wound up there because we had three bowls of candy ready to give out and we only went through one bowl. So damn it. Now I've got to eat two bowls of candy. Damn it. Damn it. So Aaron won't have any teeth for the next, <laughs> next episode. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and begin those insulin injections now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in addition to having lots of candy, I got lots of comics this week. This week had an insane amount of comic books. We were a ton, know. and and I had the added burden of having to pick up last week's books as well because I was out of town. I mean, this was too many damn comics. What'd your bill run, Aaron? Because I know just for my comics, I've I paid over sixty bucks. Well, if you break it out, um, I spent fifty three fifty four dollars for this week's comics. And then twenty seven for last week's comics. Yeah, I, I was about sixty seven, I think, yeah. for this week's, not including all those damn trade paperbacks that I picked up on Friday. Well, and Zeus Comics was having a fifty percent off sale on all their trades, and so you know I, I, I picked up a couple of trades this week, and so I, I'm not including those in the bill. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Uh, this podcast is making me. <laughs> it's making me broke. Yeah. You remember how when we first started, Paul, I was spending about twelve dollars a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Aaron would be like, "What are you buying this week?" And I would list six comics, and I'd be like, "What are you buying?" Oh, well, I'm just buying this one book. Yeah. I'm just buying Thor. Okay. Yeah. Well. 
Oh, I don't want to hear from you guys about podcasts, eating up <laughs> your cash. I wouldn't even be reading comics if it wasn't for this podcast. I'm so sorry. But, you know, this this is all the more reason that we should be getting some kind of uh, kickback from Image, DC, Marvel. Because, you know, I, Jonathan has certainly been the loudest about that. But we've had several comments that, you know, I, I hadn't been buying books until, you know, they were listening to the show. That's true. We should have – well, you can't really buy – I mean you can buy comic books online, but it's not like Amazon where you can buy something and just – you know your website gets a kickback. Right. But if you bought comics online, you'd lose the joy of hitting the comic store. That's true. That's true, and we love our comic book re- retailers. We do indeed, especially yeah, you, when we can drink beer in there. You lose the joy oh, of going to the comic book shop and then not having a book that's supposed to be in your pull list. <laughs> you know, and, and as we were talking about our books this week – <laughs> Jonathan and I are both, that came out this week? So as much money as we spent, we actually needed to spend a little more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, first up this week, in keeping with uh, the Halloween theme that we're transitioning from, is Blackest Night. And uh, last week, uh, Blackest Night Superman number three came out. And uh, I thought that it was the strongest of those three books. You know, it's kind of funny because I thought it started off a little weak. But I think it ended stronger than any of the other um, tie-in miniseries. Yeah, I think so too. I, I thought that it was it was uh, better than any of those other tie-in series, and we'll talk about Titans here in a minute. But I thought uh, it was the worst by far. You know, Jonathan, <laughs> everybody knows you've never read a DC comic in your life. <laughs> and that's not true. I actually have. I read an entire series. And which the series entire- is that? Uh, the entire run of the lesbian Supergirl. I think that was by Peter David. Was 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 she lesbian? She was a lesbian. Yeah, I don't recall that. I think you're making that up. The one that had a, a lot of the uh, religious overtones yeah. to it. Was she gay? I I think she did come out being gay. Huh. I'm, like, well, I know she wore a lot of flannel. That should have tipped me off. <laughs> <laughs> And I believe she, she drove a truck, so you know. <laughs> I, I I'm sorry, I, I did not recall that from that from that book. By the way, Blackest Night. Yeah, Blackest Night. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't have to go into a lot of this book, but uh, I, I'll just say that I thought that it ended much stronger than the other, and I particularly enjoyed. This won't come as any surprise to you, Paul. Particularly enjoyed the use of crypto in the book. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I like how DC is using crypto more now. Yeah. Um, I am a little concerned. You know, we've talked about this before with Jeff Johns leaving Adventure Comics, where crypto is so prevalent. Right. Uh, where we will see him. I wonder if he'll just be put on the back burner. He's the super dog. Oh. <laughs> He's the oh. dog that wears a cape. He's like, this is why I don't read DC. <laughs> Whatever. There's a pet Avengers out there. <laughs> I know. That's right. I know. But yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And you know, I'm not reading the uh, the new Krypton or Superman books right now. So uh, I even liked the, the the parts of that that are that are told in this story, and I thought he did a really good job because I was able to follow along with that and understood what was going on when I haven't read a single one of those books. Yeah. So, but you know, um, you know, Blackest Night Titans number three came out this week. Also, oh god, uh, that, that sucked so hard. <laughs> you really didn't like it? I thought it was better than Blackest Night Batman. I'm sorry. Three. Did Changeling die in, in Titans number three? No, no, okay. he did not. Then the book sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I need him dead. I want him dead, Paul. Dead. 
He's not going to die. They are not going to kill that stupid character. God, I want him dead. <laughs> I was so looking forward to that heart just getting pulled out of his chest and him being dead, dead, dead. I would be happy for there to be a little statue in the Titans Memorial there at Titans Tower. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I, the one thing I learned from Black Knight Titans number three, out of all these miniseries, they all could have been two issues. Oh, or less. Or and less. Here's what I dislike about all uh, – what do we have? We had three of them. We had three, Blackest yeah. Night Batman, Blackest Night Superman, and Blackest Night Titans. I can summarize these stories. <clears throat> Our heroes are challenged by the risen dead of their loved ones, and they they are first overwhelmed by them because they're sad, and then they finally uh, draw a resolution and realize that these aren't really their loved ones. And there's no resolution at the end of any of these books. For instance, um, you know, in Blackest Night Batman, those guys just get away. You know, Black, uh, Batman freezes himself and, you know, lives to fight another day. Um, at the end of this one, um, Kal-El, you know, his ring goes away. So it does look like that, that they resolved that. But, you know, it, it winds up with let's go figure out how to help everybody else. There's more stuff going around. Same thing at the end of Titans. I mean, yeah. there's really no resolution in any of these books. Yeah. In fact, the only one that actually had someone die, I think, was Blackest Night Titans with yeah. um, Hawk in the first issue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just bleh. I And, you know, I have to say the, the artwork in Blackest Night Titans is just beautiful. You know, uh, he uh, – uh, Philip Jimenez. Oh, it was Ed, Ed, Ed Benes, yeah. Um Ed ben- Ed Benes just does some beautiful artwork in this book, but I just the story's not there. And I think the the reason why the story's not there is they're not allowing the writers to tell a, a more interesting story than what they are. You know, the, the, all they're trying to do is Blackest Night's going on. Here's how it affects these particular heroes, but nobody can you know figure out how to stop the black la- the Black Lanterns except in the main title. Yeah, and I just would have rathered that a, a more significant story been told in all of these. I don't think they're terrible books; they're just books that I didn't enjoy. Yeah, I think you know what's hurting these books. Like we said, you know, it's the fact that there's that mandate that they can't really further the story. I really think they could have been, you know, they're they're trying to do these miniseries so that it doesn't mess with the flow of the regular series. You know, especially what's going on in Batman and what's going on in Superman, and I don't know what the hell's going on in Titans or Teen Titans. But I really, honestly, would have preferred just one tie-in issue of all those books yeah. to these three-issue miniseries. Because really, all of them could have been summarized in one or two issues. Everything we've read so far. And it's honestly, the results of these three miniseries is that I'm going to question buying the next three. Right. Well, and I mean, what is also, I would say, just as disturbing is that each of the writers on these three books use the same outline. You, they yeah. hit the exact same beats in each issue in every book of these three titles. Yeah, I mean, I'm you gonna know, pick up the, the the Flash one, but I, I would. You well, know, yeah, because, because you're a sucker. Yeah. yeah, well, it's written by Jeff Johns too. And, <laughs> and um, but you know, there's there's a Wonder Woman one, and I think isn't there another one? Uh, there's a Wonder Woman one coming. There's uh, the Flash one. I, I, there there is another. There is a third one, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a third miniseries plus all the tie-in issues. But you know, I'm really going to hesitate uh, on those other miniseries because do I need another version of this storyline with a different lead character? Yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, I was I'm, disappointed in that. I was too, but there were plenty of good, bla- well, plenty. There were two bl- good Blackest Night books. 
Yeah, Green Lantern number 47. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, I, I like how, because, you know, the Red Lanterns, which I'm not a huge fan of, but, you know, they come into play a little more in the storyline in this one. So I, I was I, I was interested in that. I like how everything is kind of tying together the black, uh, the Red Lanterns and the Orange Lanterns. Mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed this book. I enjoyed this book a lot, actually. It well, featured the return of Aben Sur. And, you know, the last time we talked about Blackest Night, we had discussed how in Green Lantern Corps, we were getting frustrated with kind of the never-ending battle. You know, it's just one fight after another, and there you know, it didn't seem to be gaining any ground. Whereas in this book, the story is definitely moving forward, and we're learning new things about the characters. Uh, I really enjoyed what we learned about, Aben, uh, not Aben, sir, uh, uh, Sinistro in this book. Absolutely. You know, I, I just think that the story is being so well told over here in the pages of Green Lantern, and I just wish that they'd kind of pay attention to that in some of the other books. I agree. I, I totally agree. And I think – and it's kind of funny because Green this issue is totally focused on Hal Jordan. Yeah. He's not in Blackest Night number four at all. Yeah. Um, but I, so I can see, you know, why – these two, and I guess to a certain extent, Green Lantern Corps are the core titles because these really do feel important. Yeah, uh, especially Green Lantern number forty-seven. With all that happened there, and it, you actually resolve some issues. You know, mm-hmm. the Ob and Source stuff is resolved in this issue. Yeah, you know, they don't drag it on for three issues and then let it resolve in Blackest Night. You know, proper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. I, I thought this was really well do- done, and you know, obviously we have to stop for just a moment and, and reiterate: Doug Mankey is awesome. Absolutely, his uh, his his inks on this book are just fan freaking tastic. Um, I, actually, I should call them his pencils. Um, it's just it's just an awesome. I mean, everybody the 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 pencils, the inks, and the color just all comes together, and you know, I think he, they they've got a better use of the palette. Uh, the color palette in this title than in any of the other Blackest Night books. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it's so important in the Green Lantern books to show the color spectrum and demonstrate what it means. And so you've got the the battle scenes where you've got you know the Sinestro Corps fighting and the Green Lanterns and the Star Sapphires and the uh, Indigo Tribe all fighting against the overwhelming darkness of of the Black Lanterns. And it's just it's just so well represented, and it's not as well represented in some of the other books. So I I, I think that the of the Blackest Night books, including the main title, Blackest Night, Green Lantern is the strongest title. I agree. And it's sad because I actually love the art that Ivan Reese is doing on yeah. Blackest Night, the series. Mm-hmm. I almost would have preferred to have Doug Mankey draw on yeah. the main series. Yeah. Um, I would like to see his takes on some more DCU char- mm-hmm. characters. Um, but, you know, speaking of Blackest Night number four, that did come out this week. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because I think – it's on the same cycle, obviously, as Green Lantern, so it's kind of nice to get two important aspects of the storyline in the same week every month. But what do you think of Blackest Night number four? There was a big death in it. There was. There was, and uh, I liked Blackest Night number four. I feel like I'm supposed to know the guy at the end of the book. That's Necron. Yeah, I don't know. Am I supposed to know him from somewhere? He's an old Green Lantern villain, and I think Is that's it? the problem. You know, There was this big buildup, the reveal, and you look at it. And yeah, it says next, what is Necron? Mm-hmm. So it's not it. It doesn't have as big a punch of an ending mm-hmm. as I I think they thought it would. Yeah, because most people really don't know or give a crap about Necron. It's a it's a pretty page though, pretty splash page. One of my favorite parts of this book is some of the dialogue between Mara, Adam, and the Flash. 
Yes. And, you know, there's there's this, you know, they're like, hey, we need to find Superman and, and uh, you know, Wonder Woman. <laughs> and, you know, the Flash is like, you know, th- they're not around. You're going to have to be Wonder Woman and you're going to have to be uh, Superman. And, you know, the, these are two. I mean, I wouldn't even call Adam and Mara B-list heroes. I call them C-list heroes or D-list heroes. I mean, they're just they're such an afterthought in the DC universe, even though the Adam has been on the Justice League numerous times. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're just so nothing. In the grand like scheme Ant- of yeah, them. exactly. The Adam is like Ant-Man. You know, yeah. he's never going to be A-list. And, and, you know, Flash is in the room and, you know, Mara looks over to the Adam and she goes, well, if I'm going to be Wonder Woman and you're Superman, what's that make him? And Adam just looks over at her, the Flash. I thought that was fantastic uh, writing there. I just that was one of those really memorable moments. You know, he doesn't have to be anybody else. He's the he's the he's a motherfucking Flash. (laughs) (laughs) He I I, I read that and went, yeah, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, that was great. There were some great moments in this book. Yeah, um, you know the the character death, who most people won't care about unless you read Justice Society of America. Yeah, but I thought it was a big death because I've read Justice Society. You know all of Jeff John's stuff. So, Absolutely. You know I thought that was a very was, important scene, and I was shocked by it. Yeah, it was a big deal, and I, it's it's it startled me as well. I was like, wow, really wasn't looking for that, and that that death is what brought us. To the one hundred percent power level that we've been following for four books, you know yeah. we've seen the the uh, battery ramp up for the Black Lanterns since well since issue zero, you know since the uh, the free comic book day issue I guess, yeah. and you know we've all kind of wondered what that what that means when of course it means that you know we've got Necron who I guess uh, you know I don't know who he is but we're gonna find out next time. Yeah, uh, but and the the death that we're talking about and I'm not gonna ruin who it is. Yeah. But it's so perfectly timed, too. This is how you do surprises in comic books. Yeah. Because you get to the bottom of a page. It's like this hopeful outlook. Yeah. And then there's an ad on the next page, on the right page. And you turn, and the very first thing you see is this shocking death. Yeah. That's totally unexpected. Yeah. Um, great. This is this is great writing. Yeah, it really is. Well, it's just darn good storing storytelling, both visually and on you know from the written word. This this book continues to be fantastic. And you know, I we, we talked about the tie-ins, and you know, Paul and I are both going to buy this collected. You know, when it's yeah. all said and done. I mean, here we bought the floppies. We're going to go and buy it collected because we're both idiots. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will buy the Blackest Night collection. And I'll buy the Green Lantern collection. I will not be buying any of the others. Uh, I, I won't agree. be buying Green Lantern Corps, and I certainly won't be buying any of the other tie-ins. Uh, I, 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 if I wasn't such a fan of this story, I could easily avoid buying any of the tie-ins. I would just stick with Green Lantern and Blackest Night. Yeah. I honestly hope, in DC, if you're listening, don't push out on the trade paperback. Yeah. The trade paperback needs to look special. Don't reuse a cover. Yeah, have some original art, or even better, you know, they could have an all black cover with just the Black Knight logo. Yeah, maybe a special edition. But you know, I, I hope they do something special with the trade of this because this this story deserves a special trade paperback. Yeah, or, I to- know, a hardcover. I totally agree. But you know, as Blackest Night is really getting good, I mean, it started off good and it's really you know building pace um, in the main storyline. You know, Marvel's building up to their big storyline too. 
their big crossover event, uh, which they said was just four issues. But if you saw the checklist for Siege, there's like 30 books. Yikes. I mean, there's a whole bunch of, you know, the Siege one shots. Uh, there's a bunch of tie in issues, of course, in New Avengers, Mighty Avengers, Dark Avengers. And just like Jeff Johns, you know, he writes Blackest Night and he writes Green Lantern. So they're kind of essential reading. You know, Siege is written by Bendis. And just like, you know, um, every crossover that he's written, you know, he's writing the New Avengers and the Dark Avengers stuff. So I'm sure that'll tie into it. Um, but what I'm talking about is that, you know, they're building up to this Siege event with the Dark Rain books. Uh, and we had two Dark Rain books come out this week. Uh Dark Reign the List books. Uh, and Jonathan, you read them with me, didn't you? Well, not with yes. me. But. <laughs> Y'all sat down and cuddled right up under a blanket and read the same book together, didn't you? Yeah, we traded one pages. One hand on yeah. your thigh, one hand on the book. <laughs> <laughs> it was romantic. We had some candles. <laughs> um, I guess, uh, why don't we start with Wolverine first? All right. What'd you think of that one? I hated it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I hated this book. I, just, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally didn't get it. It felt I, like a Grant Morrison book. No! Yeah, I'll go with you there. Well, because it's Grant Morrison characters. Grant Morrison created, uh, I guess, Agent Zero or whatever the – no, uh, Phantom X. Is this Beak character in the book? Phantom X. I'm sorry? Is Beak in the book? Beak is not in the book. Oh, because I know that's but, a uh, for Jonathan. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got Marvel Boy or whatever who is also Grant Morrison. And you know the whole Weapon X complex that Grant Morrison created – um, where they were continuing Weapon X experiments after Wolverine. So you've got Weapon 13, Weapon 15, and all that crap. It just it felt like a Grant Morrison book to me, and I did not care for this book in the least. I hated it. I it Ario, it's Dark Rain, The List, Wolverine. Wolverine's barely in this book, it seems. Seems like it's more about the other two guys, uh, Marvel Boy and uh, Phantom X. Yeah. And I agree. You know, it, it is Dark Rain the List Wolverine, but honestly, it's not – it doesn't have anything really to do with Wolverine. This book could have existed without Wolverine. It doesn't really even play into the whole list thing anyway. Yeah, Norman Osborn's not even – Wolverine's not on even on his list. Yeah, exactly. So it's just kind of – it's weird. It didn't even feel like it – part of that storyline now i'm a guy who's not reading these books yes. um what does the list mean it's uh, a list of uh people that uh norman osborne pretty much wants out of the way okay uh, he feels that they were problems under nick fury and problems under tony stark and he intends to correct them huh. by getting rid of them essentially so, uh, you know, they, they started. Oh, I'm sorry. Daredevil, the Hulk, uh, you know, the the X-Men, which pretty much really just Namor, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, Secret War, you know, Nick Fury himself. You know, it's it's really just like Jonathan said, it's a, it's a list of the people that he wants out of the way. And just got a list of problem people to that need to be off the off the register, as it were. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't and, think Wolverine was on the list that I remember anyway. Now, now, why wouldn't you put Wolverine on the list, though? I mean, he seems like a problem child. Wouldn't that somebody that you'd want to get rid of? Well, to a certain extent, Wolverine has already been handled. Okay. Um, because he's a mutant, and he lives in Utopia, which is the island off the coast of, I don't know, somewhere yeah. where Current, all the mutants uh, live now. 
currently off represented of, in Astonishing Off the coast Atlanta. of uh, California. Uh, okay. Off of San Francisco in particular, isn't it? Is it Alcatraz yeah. Island? No, because no, it's, it's, uh, it's the, the big... M. Yeah, it's Asteroid M, uh, Magneto's old asteroid. That's right, that's right. Yeah, so and in the X-Men book, they say that Wolverine lives there, and he's pretty much handled. But in this book, he's on American soil. Um, so I, I'm not entirely sure... Uh, when this book is supposed to take place, because to my knowledge, he is trapped on that island, you know, and if he steps foot on American soil, it's like an act of war. You know, if any mutants come on American soil, it's like an act of war, mutants against humans. Right. So this book just felt out of place. It didn't feel like it. I don't know. And the art in it was odd, too. The art is by uh, Isad Rebik. I don't know. I probably mispronounced that. Um, it. I didn't care for it. I. I, I don't think there's much good we can say about this book so that's what i thought about dark rain the list wolverine not much good we can say on that um now let's see if you differ in opinion or you have the same opinion on dark rain the list punisher what'd you think about that one loved it yes i agree all right jonathan can stay (laughs) (laughs) i loved dark rain the list punisher out of all the, the the list books this is by far my favorite because something actually happens something something it actually changes something yeah, and it's good writing, and you've got art by John Romita Jr. You know, you can't really go wrong with that. Um, and it's Wolverine versus Dokken. Uh I mean, Punisher versus Dokken, who's Wolverine's son. Like the band? Actually, it's spelled <laughs> the same way, I think. <laughs> no, Dokken's no. spelled the no. Oh, that's right. N-K. This is D-A-K-E-N. I loved the hell out of this book. It was a good fight, you know, a good, well-done fight. And uh, one thing, you know, the reason I picked up this book... Not only was I interested in it, but it didn't have reprint material at the back. Like some of the other Dark Rain list books have reprinted older comic books in the back, whereas this is just an exercised issue with a preview of the upcoming storyline that actually happens in the Punisher book. Um, I guess we should probably say we're going to spoil this book. Yes. Uh, because you can't talk about this book without spoiling it. All right. Yeah. I waited a second. Punisher gets hacked to bits in this book. Yes. I mean, literally <laughs> hacked to bits. Bite-sized pieces of Punisher. I mean, Dokken cuts off both of his arms, Ouch. his head, his torso. I mean, it, it's... I love it because I hate the Punisher. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I do too. You know, and it's funny because Aaron and I were talking a couple weeks ago, and we were saying, you know, Punisher really kind of needs to die <laughs> because his character, there's nowhere else you can take him. It's It seemed, anyway, to me. <laughs> um, and... Well, yeah, they they killed the hell out of him. Even though he's just going to come back in November. As Frankenstein Punisher or Franken-Punisher. Yeah, Yeah, he's getting a makeover, though. He's getting a makeover, a revamp, it seems. Um, I'm happy with that. Maybe they'll work him into a character that can actually be usable. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, it's written by Rick Remender. You know, this book was written by Rick Remender, and I'm I'm a big fan of him. Of his, but the art is by Tony Moore also, and I love some Tony Moore art. Uh, he uh, wrote the- well, I'm, I was looking in the preview, and I don't know about the art. Really? This is. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a fan of his. He did the first couple of issues of Walking Dead. He did Fear Agent with Rick Remender. Uh, I, I like his stuff. Now, the the one thing that I'll get in, uh, Paula, you've been reading. Uh, have you read Dark Avengers at all lately? Or I've only read the first six issues. So I'm, I'm uh, a little behind, but I'm aware of what's going on in it. What about Dark Wolverine? Cause I'm, I'm trying to think of which book it was in. Well, in a, in a recent book that came out this month, uh, 
Who's this creature at the end? That's it's got a name. Man thing. Man thing. Yeah. Yes. He died. And, I thought. Yeah. Exactly. Like you see, like the Dark Avengers putting him down in a book earlier. Like he's he's down in New Orleans or something, and they they kill his ass. Yeah, you, you know, I agree. I think I saw that maybe not in the book, but I think I saw it in a preview. Oh, no, wait. It was Dark Avengers number 10, I think. Okay. Uh, which was the, the newest issue of Dark Avengers. And yeah, as far as I know, they killed him. Um, so, yeah, you know, so that was weird. Yeah, I guess there's some timing issues there. But, I, I mean, I, I, I loved this book. I really loved Dark Reign the List Wolverine. I can't recommend it enough. I, I think it's great. It made me... You mean Punisher. Punisher, damn. Not yeah. dark, not dark gray in the list. Wolverine. Yeah, avoid Wolverine. Pick up Punisher because of this book. That's why I bought the uh, the Punisher hardback because I was avoiding it because it seemed to tie in, you know, to Dark Rain, which I was avoiding. And I'm, again, I'm not a huge fan of Punisher as a character, but because of this book, I went and picked it up because it's you know it's also written by Rick Remender. So I'm going to give it a read. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm excited for the first time in a long time about something they're doing with the Punisher. Now, you know, I, I have to say I'm. I haven't enjoyed the Punisher in a good long while, um, but I'm kind of curious about the Franken Punisher storyline. But Aaron does enjoy the Shocker quite often. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So You're talking about the Spider-Man villain, right? Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> were, there, were there any other uh, uh, Dark Reign titles to talk about, or Dark Reign list titles to talk about? Well, nothing came out this week. Well, Paul, I think that brings us to our Batman update. Batman. And I read uh, Batman 692, which is the first in the uh, story arc being told by Tony Daniel and in- illustrated by Sandu Floria. Am I getting that yes. name? Right? I-, I feel fancy when I say Sandu Floria. Well, it's written and drawn by him. Yeah, inked. I think it's inked by Sandu Floria. Okay. But, okay, so now I don't feel quite so cool. So thanks. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> That's what you get. Yeah, written and drawn by Tony S. Daniel, inks by Sandu Floria. <laughs> and this is the team who also did the Battle for the Cowl storyline mm-hmm. um, that led into this whole what's going on right now in Batman. What did you think of the issue? I didn't like it. I, you didn't like it? I did not like it. Um, and I, the reason why I didn't like it, it's, it's a good book. It's fine. Um, it is such a jarring change from uh, the stories that uh, uh, we had in the, in the in the previous books with you know Mark Bagley and and uh, for, uh, suddenly I forget the other guy uh, Judd Winnick is that right yeah. Judd Winnick um, and I really enjoyed those and with the exception of the moment where uh, uh, Dick Grayson is swimming in the pool and he runs into uh, Catwoman yes. you never had the sense that it's actually Dick Grayson. I mean, this could have been this could have been a Bruce Wayne story. Yeah, you know, you know this uh, this book is not only um, it's Tony Daniel coming back, like I said, after from Battle uh, for the Cow, but it also ties into a lot of storylines that it tries to explain. But I'm still I still feel a little lost. Oh, I was totally lost. You know, I came back to Batman after Battle for the Cow. You know, mm-hmm. so they're tying back to some old some old stuff that happened prior to my experience, and. I don't know who any of these guys are. Yeah. This ties a lot into uh, The Long Halloween mm-hmm. and Dark Victory, Yeah, the Tim Sale, Jeff Loeb books. Uh, a lot of the characters from there are, in, are feed into this storyline. Um, See, I read those books, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not catching the link. That's where the Mafia family came from. Oh, with the Falcons, yes. Okay. The Falcons. Yes. Yeah, now, right. as far as the Black Mask stuff, 
you know, uh, this storyline or Tony Daniels' writing seems to be informed a lot by his time working with Grant Morrison. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is the second book this week where I'm going to say there were definitely some moments in this that felt like they were being written by Grant Morrison. Yeah. Uh, the most of the Black Mass stuff felt very Grant Morrison to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he he, he th- there's different characterization in each book for the Black Mass character. You know, in this book, he's got this huge Dracula flary costume, right? Which came out of nowhere, and he's resurrecting some type of Nazi scientist or something. Yeah, yeah, and I I enjoyed the scenes with Catwoman. Um, I enjoyed the scenes with uh, Batman in the opium field, you know? Yeah. Um, I did not enjoy, you know, let's resurrect this guy. That's what it seemed like they were doing. Let's resurrect this guy and, you know, remind him of the horrors he endured back in, uh, you know, uh, the Nazi concentration camps and put him to work for us. That, that kind of stuff uh, that I normally enjoy, I just didn't think it was told very well. Yeah. You know? Um and and I don't want to drop Batman just to pick it up when when it comes back on. Right. If the storyline doesn't get better for the next issue, like we said, I bought a lot of damn books this week. Yeah. And some of them were books that I had never picked up before, mm-hmm. and I want to continue buying. So if it comes down to a choice between um, the second issue of some of the books I'm going to talk about later or the new issue of Batman, if it's written the same way, uh-huh. I'm going to choose the other book. Yeah. Um, and I'll come back when Judd Winnick comes back. Because I like the art. Don't get me wrong. Tony, yeah, Tony yeah. Daniels can draw the hell out of a book. Oh yeah, well, and he he can draw the hell out of Batman. Uh, his yeah. his his uh, he's got the he's got the right flair for drawing Batman and his villains and whatnot. I just didn't care for the story. Yeah, and I and I might have enjoyed this more had I read it prior to Judd Winnick's run. But I I thought Judd Winnick was really hitting it on all beats, telling the Dick Grayson Batman stories. And like I said, this could have been any old Batman, you know, yeah. this, this, and you know, that may have been the intent because, you know, 10 years from now when they're selling the trades, you know, who's going to care that it was Dick Grayson, you Good know, point. you're wanting to read a Batman book, you know, and Greg Rucka had made that kind of comment before about, uh, you know, you need to not, it doesn't need to be quite so important in, in, in those terms, who's, who's under the mask. But, you know, I'm in the moment right now and I was really getting a kick out of uh, uh, Dick Grayson. And, mm-hmm. you know, the in the, those stories with with Dick Grayson fighting Two-Face, as, you know, uh, you saw the difference that, you know, Batman smiled, you know. Yeah. Um, and you didn't get any of that in this book. Now, of course, he's not doing a whole bunch of high flying fun kicking and whatnot. But, uh, you know, it just seemed very Bruce Wayne to me. I agree. I agree. Um, so, and it, it's a six-issue run by Tony Daniel, uh, and then Judd Winnick comes back with an unannounced uh, artist as of yet. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I, this I, I I hated that they interrupted the flow of what Winnick was doing. Same here. So I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Jury's still out. It's a two ninety nine book. I'll pick it up next month. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't. As good as what came before. It wasn't what I was wanting. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he, uh, he deviated from my expectation. Damn him. Damn you, <laughs> Tony Daniel. So uh, you read Arkham Reborn. 
I did. I read Arkham Reborn, which is a three-issue miniseries. It's a follow-up to um, one of the Battle for the Cal books uh, based on Arkham Asylum. In Battle for the Cal, Black Mask blows up Arkham Asylum and lets all the criminals out. So now um, Arkham is being rebuilt and reopened, and this is the story of that. Uh, you know, of the the current Arkham. I think he's. I don't know if he's Jeremiah. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but the current Arkham, who is crazy, and how he runs the asylum, and he has a, a crew. I wouldn't say a crew. He has a little gang of inmates who stayed behind in the asylum after Black Mask broke everybody out. Yeah, and they're like his little. You know, they're like his his posse, I guess. I don't know. The, you know, they have their own little section that has a piano, and it's like a fancy little room where he can go and talk to them. I, uh, it, it's a very creepy book, and uh, you know, it, it's even though Bruce Wayne is in the book, so I guess it's not really Bruce Wayne. I guess it's actually um, Hush, mm-hmm. who you know, who looks like Bruce Wayne now. Uh, you know, it's got Bruce Wayne, Kate Spencer, who's Manhunter, Commissioner Gordon, uh, isn't it? But it's mostly focusing on Arkham and the supporting cast who works on Arkham Asylum. I thought the book was good. I actually really enjoyed it. Hmm. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's. It's not something you're going to see in any of the other Batman books. It's written by David Hine, and drawn by Jeremy Hahn. Uh, the art is serviceable. I mean, it's nothing super fancy, but it works for the book. Um, but if you're looking for something a little creepier, uh, you know, and honestly, if you're trying to read a book about Arkham Asylum, you want to read something a little creepier. Sure. Uh, I think it's really well done. I think it's a very good take on, you know, Arkham Asylum. Mm -hmm. So I actually recommend it. And it's the first of three, uh, issues. And I don't think you need to have read the battle for the Cal book to understand it, but it definitely helps. Now, you also read Streets of Gotham, right? I did. I did. Uh, Streets of Gotham, which is typically written by Paul Dini, uh, this time was written by Chris Yost of Red Robin and a whole bunch of other books. Uh, The art is still by Dustin Wynn, though. And this book entirely focuses on pretty much the Huntress doing battle with Man Bat. Um, And simultaneously, you get flashbacks to a priest who has moved into... Gotham, and he's all hopeful, and uh, basically how Gotham breaks him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have these two simultaneous storylines that coincide at the end um, very awkwardly, honestly. Uh, it didn't really flow, I think. Uh, you know, Chris Yost, I normally like his stuff. The book felt a little disjointed to me, and it really it was an issue of fighting uh, between Huntress and Manbat. I think honestly, what's in this could have been condensed to about half the size, and you know, because you had a couple of flashback pages, a couple of pages with Huntress and Manbat fighting, and then it could have, you know, moved on to the next logical piece of the story. Yeah. Uh, so, not my favorite issue of the title. The art by Dustin Wen is still fantastic. He, he's he's probably one of my favorite artists right now in comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love his stuff. And if you're looking for something, a Batman book that really doesn't star Batman. You know, it focuses on a lot of the supporting characters of Gotham City. You mean like Batman and Robin? 
I'm sorry? You mean like Batman and Robin? Because Batman's not really in that book. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to read a well-written book ah, starring okay. Batman. Good distinction. Um, there you go. So I, I, I can't recommend this issue of Streets of Gotham. <laughs> but it's pretty art. And uh, it, uh, if the story turns around in the next issue, I'll be happy. But uh, it, it felt it was it, it didn't really flow for me. Yeah. You know, one thing I want to talk about before we move on to the next book, just because it's in every damn DC book that came out this uh, week. You're going to talk about it, aren't you? I am. Uh, man, cause I, I, that was, I was actually about to, to bring that up. Batman Doc Savage. Yes. It, 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 there was a preview of the Batman Doc Savage special coming out. Written by Brian Azzarello and Phil Noto, and it's an it, it specifically says, uh, no, it, I, I thought I saw one of them. It's just art. There's no words. Yeah, it's a first look at the Batman Doc Savage special number one on sale November 11th. And you know, it, it this is pretty much primarily just focusing on Batman. Uh-huh. There, there's one page of Doc Savage, um, and the art is really pretty. I mean, Phil Noto. Oh, see, I oh, <laughs> Paul. You didn't like it? I hate this with everything I've got. Damn. I, I, you know, I was so looking forward to the Batman Doc Savage book. And then I flipped over to this. I'm like, well, this is crap. This is, (laughs) this is, this is several pages of crap that are in several books that I bought this, this month or this week. And I mean, it is just, I I think they're ugly. And I I think the idea of seeing Batman shooting guns is kind of cool. You know, it's pulpy. And this is, this is branded as a whole new Batman universe. Yes. You know, it's, this is not occurring within the, the realm of DC comics. So, you know, they can build a character that uses guns, whereas our Batman is ardently opposed to guns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's something cool about that, but they managed to take that cool shot of Batman shooting guns, which would be a, a really nice, you know, reveal and distinction for those of us who, who know and love our Batman. And I just think this looks like crap. And what it most per, in particularly looks like crap is the surprised uh, girl who walks in with the tray of drinks. I mean, she she just looks ridiculous. You know, I I will say I think I would have preferred something more pulpy for yeah. the art. Yeah, I didn't hate the art. I actually wow. I, I I didn't think it was bad. Uh, I would have preferred something more pulpy. Well, and even the the big the big splash page with you know Batman swinging on the on the bat line, that looked awkward. I did not care. Yeah, for I mean it, it's it looked every bit as bad as the art from Red Robin. You know, I mean, and I, granted, different artists, but it looks just as bad, just as awkward, just as poorly executed. There is a good page of art in this book, and it's the very next page um, that that's just Doc Savage. Yeah, and I, I think I, I think that perfectly matches what you expect for doc savage but the the remaining pages that have batman in it look terrible and i was gonna buy this book i will not be buying the book based on this preview really i'm yeah. still gonna buy the book i'm gonna give it a shot I'm, I'm curious to see what the universe does and this is the only book phil noto's drawing in it so maybe yeah. that'll help yeah uh but i like brian azarello well i like brian azarello too he's a good guy so but i'm gonna uh, give it a shot uh, you know, throw your money in the street if you want to. <laughs> I'll throw my $4 in the street. <laughs> <laughs> well, I picked up World's Finest number one, and uh, I think it was about two episodes back where we were dogging on this pretty hard because you know they, they really hadn't promoted it. The artwork that they were using was artwork from places other than the book, so you weren't seeing any original artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say I loved this book. 
I liked it too, actually. I, um, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I got a big kick out of it. I now, granted, you know, I said before that I'm not following any of the new Krypton books, and mm-hmm. so you know, this was really my first exposure to this incarnation of Nightwing and Flamebird. But I got to tell you, this is the best depiction of Red Robin other than the Adventure Comics books. Yeah, I'll yeah. give it that. I will definitely uh, give it that. In fact, page two, where he is on the motorcycle with uh, the bad guy, and he, you know, uh, uh, wrecks the bike and shows him leaping in the air off the bike as the other guy crashes. Yeah. Beautiful scene. Beautiful yeah. panel. Uh, I love the way they just kind of show Red Robin as a badass. And I. I keep going, golly, it just it wasn't just a couple of months ago that, you know, he was Robin and seemed like a kid. Now he seems all, you know, grown up almost he seems as old as Dick Grayson now. You know? Yeah, he does. Uh, and it and so I, I that's startling to me, but I sure do like the progression in the character. Um I liked everything about this book. There wasn't anything in here that I didn't like. Uh yeah, with the I exception was... of the the couple of pages of the Batman Doc Savage uh preview. <laughs> you know, and it's a good classic story. You know, it's yeah. Red Robin and Nightwing. Yeah. Uh, not the old Nightwing. This is the Kryptonian Nightwing. Yeah. Um, but it felt like like an old Robin, you yeah. know, maybe Superboy team up. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's got a it's got the Penguin in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the Kryptonite Man. It was just a really good team up book. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious to see where it goes as a, a storyline. Yeah. But I, I actually really enjoyed this book, and I'll I'll pick up the the whole series if it's this good. Same here. You know, Sterling Gates, good writer. He's also going to be drawing or writing the upcoming Kid Flash series when that starts up. And, and that's that, that is a good sign because, like I said, I, I enjoyed every page of this book with the exception of the preview for Doc Savage Batman. But uh, <laughs> I, I, this was really good. I mean, I, the the Toy Man is always such a ridiculous villain, mm-hmm. and I loved how creepy they they represented him in the book. Yeah, and that's because Jeff Johns actually did a, a Toy Man issue uh, during his run on, I think, Action Comics, uh-huh. where he redid the Toy Man and just kind of revamped him yeah. to, to kind of bring him up into modern day and make him creepy again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like where they're going with that character, and I really I really like his scene in this book. So. Yeah, it, it's a good book. It's a good yeah. book. So my apologies to DC Comics for uh, dogging on you as hard as I did. Uh, I, no, I, no, no, no. You know, I'm going to stick with that because this book is so good. They should have promoted it better. Oh, I agree. I agree. But you know, I was I was suggesting that it was going to suck based on how they promoted it. And I, uh, now I, I will turn my dogging on them to be, hey, you know, guys, you know, you're promoting a lot of stuff up there out there that's crap. Why don't you promote the stuff that's good? Yeah. Because <laughs> this was a really good book. Anybody can see that. Did you read any Marvel books this week? Well, I did. In fact, I read uh, Nova number thirty. Huh. And, uh, I, I know that John, well. and Jonathan read it as well. And, uh, you know, we're still in the aftermath of uh, the big uh, space book crossover over the summer, the, the War of Kings, even though it doesn't have a War of King banner on it. You know, they're dealing with a lot of the aftermath. Uh, Jonathan, what'd you think of the book? Loved it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not an art snob. I normally don't comment on art unless it's really good or really bad. And I loved the art in Nova. Yeah, it was it was particularly good, and I, I like where they're going with the book, and you know the kind of the natural progression on on building up the the Nova Core. I love yes. the, the resolution, you know how the, what he decided to do with the uh, the mindless ones that they were fighting. Yeah, 
And and the idea of the uh, the smart mindless one. Are you familiar with the mindless ones from like Doctor Strange and whatnot? Well, here's what I've loved about uh, about the space books is that it, they're mentioning and introducing me to a lot of characters that uh, back in the day I would read about but right. never read. Mm-hmm. Um, so no. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, anytime uh, uh, Doctor Strange would venture off into the the realms where Dormammu – the Dark Realms is what they would call it – where Dormammu held reign, he'd have to fight these mindless ones. And, you know, they're just – they're practically unstoppable. They're forces of nature. And so, you know, to find that, you know, not only do we have mindless ones out here in space, but we also have a smart mindless one. uh, That was kind of fun. And I'm I'm looking forward to those guys coming back because you know we're not done with them. Yeah, and I think that this book gave us the uh, the line of the week in all the comics in the week, and it's uh, "Don't let the Stargate hit you where Dormammu <laughs> split you." <laughs> yeah, I cracked up. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just so geeky. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, I I got a real kick out of this book. I, I I like it when the when the heroes are smart and they they figure out how to do stuff, and um, I like the addition of the guy with three arms. You know, yes. the fact that he's going to uh, kind of be the drill sergeant for the Corps. Um, it was a good book. It was a good book. Now, I, what really excited me, and I don't know if this is where you were about to go mm-hmm. before I cut you off rudely, <laughs> but uh, the very last page of the book. Did oh, you, yeah. Did you get with, with excited? Did you, yeah, did I'm, you get I'm a little bit. I got a little excited a little bit. Now, I'm not a big Darkhawk fan. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of interested to see where that goes because, you know, we did see that Darkhawk got set up for, you know, Certainly a murder that his body committed, but he wasn't in control of his body at the time. Well, see, I, I wasn't reading any of that stuff, so I don't know. Oh, well, he, he Just was... Just this last page yeah. got me excited, yeah. knowing well, nothing else. Oh, well, very good. <laughs> well, it's, it, it ought to be interesting, and I'm glad to see that you know uh, the crossover set up some additional stories that don't actually have to be addressed in other crossovers. Yeah, uh, like, I, I have no idea who Darkhawk is. Oh, you don't? But... Uh, but this last page makes me feel that he's powerful, yes. and uh, makes me excited that that's uh, the next villain that they're that they're going to be going up against. And uh, I found out that apparently Lilandra's dead, and I didn't even know that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, like, oh, she was assassinated okay. by Darkhawk. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that's going to be fun. I, I like the stories that yeah. they're setting up for Nova. And I have to say, I enjoy the return to the uh, original spaceship from the original series because I always. Oh, is that what they did? Yeah. Okay. That's. (laughs) (laughs) I know you didn't read the original series from way back when, but now you also read Guardians of the Galaxy, is right as well, right? Yes. Now, uh, Guardians is also following up on some storylines that came out of War of Kings, and. You know, this has been one of my favorite books in uh, the Marvel Universe. Uh, I've just really enjoyed the the stories that they've told over here in Guardians. But I got to tell you, the last several episodes have been the last several books have been hard on me. I am having a real hard time with the art. Now, this is my third Guardians of the Galaxy book. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one I loved. Yeah. And then the last issue that came out, I didn't love. I was yeah. like, wow, it hooked me into let me down yeah but then this book at the end brings me back to to what i was liking yeah so i actually really like the art in this book aaron 
Did you really? I, it's just too it cartoony felt, for me. No, see, that's what I like about it. Like, I felt it felt like, especially at the beginning mm-hmm. of the book, it looks like you could be reading this. Uh, this type of art looks like it came out of the late 80s, early 90s to me. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think it's comic book appropriate. I think uh, a lot of the art in books now is not comic book appropriate. This looked like I thought it should look. Wow. Like there, I, there was there were some goofy things, but well, yeah, yeah. And it's not that I I dislike the artist. I just don't like the matching of the artwork for the story. Um, and there are certain panels, like the panel where they're they're wandering into uh, Kang's uh, limbo universe, and you've got Mantis there, and it's just very cartoony uh, with you know her suddenly realizing that she's naked. Uh huh. You know, and I, I just I I didn't care for for that. It just seemed out of place. And wh- whereas humor has always had a place in, in Guardians, I just I didn't like how cartoony that was, how how caricature it looked. You know, I but I I, I dug. It the just sl- looked old to me, like it just looked like old art yeah, to me. I, I, didn't, I didn't care for it, but I, I love the story, and I, I think the artworks in places. But I love the story, and I that, that's just where I'm. And, I, and and maybe it's because I was just so hooked on the previous art artist, um, mm-hmm. and I you know, and I have a hard time with change. <laughs> I'm resistant to change, but. Uh, this this the story in this book is so well told. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the story. How about now, yourself? I, I didn't until about halfway through the book. Okay. Uh, the stuff with Kang and stuff mm-hmm. like uh, it was cool to see Kang for the first time yeah. for me. Like I was. Oh, this uh, is I was your first time with Kang. Huh? Yeah, I, I always hear about him, but uh, but nah, I got to experience Kang firsthand mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like oh, he's he's blue face. I don't know what to say about him. Well, I like yeah. how he put all the Starhawks to work for him. Yes, kind of cool. Um, but basically, I just thought that the beginning of this book. I mean, it was obvious. It was like, as readers, we knew where the Guardians needed to go and what they needed to do. Right. Based on two issues of Go, what what it was setting it up, and then there was like. Like an issue and a half of filler, it seems, just to get them right back there. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was kind of the same way. It felt like uh, we kind of went a long way to get back where we needed to be. Yeah, and and so once they were back where they needed to be, you know, I was I was like, wow, all right, now I'm excited. Yeah, well, and and the, the pacing is really good for that. And man, it is a bloodbath, you know, and all of that. What yeah, I hope uh, crap <laughs> and. You know, I mean, you know, heroes are dying left and right. And here's what I don't understand. He had a cosmic cube. And a cosmic yeah. cube is, is, is generally, you know, it's, it's a big bag of wishes. You know, you can do – the cosmic cube allows you to do just about anything. And okay. so it, it allows them to freeze time so that they can address the magus. What I don't understand – and it, it doesn't show – and I'm going back here just to make sure. It doesn't show like the cosmic cube disappearing or cracking or something. Why didn't he use the cosmic cube to... Yeah, in fact, on the last panel, it's got the cosmic cube right there next to him. Why didn't he use the cosmic cube to resurrect everybody who died? Because he's like, oh, forget that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I can certainly understand, you know, letting Major Victory, uh, you know, keel over because, you know, he's a man out of time. But, uh, 
Yeah. Well, that you know, and that's that's one thing that's been irking me about Guardians of the Galaxy, Aaron. And that is? Uh, three issues in, and besides Star-Lord and mm-hmm. Adam Warlock, you know, it just seems like it's just people. <laughs> like, like uh, you know... It, you know, it should have impacted me more. People dying left and right. Yeah. But I'm just like, uh, these these all might as well be red shirts to me. Yeah. You know, there's like for a team book, uh, and I think a lot of Marvel team books have had this problem in the past. X Men in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to know who the team is. Yeah, I agree. And you know, had you been reading earlier, I think you might have felt that the uh, the the. Because you know we did spend a lot of time with each of these individual characters, not so much with Major Victory, but certainly with uh, uh, the other character who died, or other two characters that died, and so we, we've spent a lot of time with those guys, and so you know their their deaths are, are felt a little bit more if you've had that experience with them. But you're right. I mean, if you picked up this, if you started picking this book up three issues ago, you don't have those connections. You know, yeah, it just seems like, like you know, people. yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, they killed off three four members of the team in this one book and you know i i I have to say that part of it didn't feel real to me you know the deaths i mean you know you 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 see where you know he he knocks down one hero and he knocks down another hero and you're thinking okay well this is fine it's all going to be better at the end of the book and it is not you know uh they, they come off that teleporter pad and you know they're light all those people who died so the next book should be interesting yeah. Also, it, and this is my problem with space books in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, remember, I said I like this book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these people are dying, but also with the team book, you have to have everyone look unique. Right. And it just felt like, like I don't know if you remember the old the old X Men issues where they'd be in the Morlock tunnels, and there's a bunch of Morlocks, right? And they each look unique, but at the same at the same time, they're all kind of the same because you're like, oh, it's just a bunch of freaky looking people, right? Like they don't have any sort of identity, and that's how I felt in the in the big battle at the end. Like you, you just had a bunch of people who looked otherworldly, except for like Star Lord. You know, you know what I mean. Like, and the chick with the sword, like she had a unique look to her that gave her, like, a look can give someone personality, even if you haven't been able to go in depth with that character sure you know but it, being able to identify people is important yeah in a team book <laughs> yeah oh, absolutely well and you know the guys do all look different but they do have a, a similar uniform i mean you know you've got bug and you've got mantis and cosmo I mean, you've got a, a, a green lady green guy but they both have antennas so i see what you're saying there you have a dog <laughs> uh, uh, I, I hate the dog by the way oh, i love the dog I like the raccoon. I hate the dog. I see. I love both. My heart is big enough for both of them. Oh, maybe I'm just <laughs> maybe I just hate dogs. Now I uh, I uh, did pull up just a second ago where they're going in uh, issue twenty, and I'm looking to see if we hang on to the same penciler, and I'm not sure that we do. Yeah, we get a new penciler in the next book. Okay. So I maybe that will. I'm I'm hoping that improves my uh, my. Uh, 
perspective on this because I I know you enjoyed the art, but I, I kind of had a problem with it. Well, as long as the new guy doesn't decide to make the book look gritty and have everyone's hair look like it was drawn with quick pencil strokes. <laughs> well, well, we'll find out that next time, and that releases on November twenty fifth, so right around uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, so we got we got a while yet. Yeah, we got a while. Well, I liked uh, it, you liked it, but we both had some problems with it. Well, while we're on space books, okay. Sword should be releasing soon. Uh, when is that coming out? Because I'm, you know, I, I'm picking up Astonishing X Men because it's got the Beast in it, and he's supposed to be making his big dramatic exit soon. Hey, so, for all I know, it came out this month. I mean, <laughs> I, we, we know how reliable the comic book shops have been to us. Yeah, I missed a couple of books this week, and you missed a couple too. But uh, you know that has an animal in it, but that's Lockheed, and Lockheed's cool. Cool. Lockheed than from the crypto. <laughs> oh, Lockheed the Dragon. Lockheed yeah. the Dragon, right? Yeah. I was thinking Lockjaw for a second from the Inhumans. No, not Lockjaw. Well, Lockjaw's cool. Lockheed's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. John- Jonathan has said it, thus it is. So uh, you read X Factor this week, right? Yes. X Factor number 50. Now, isn't that a Peter David book? It is a Peter David book. And and don't you uh, have some problems with Peter David? I don't have problems with Peter David. I have problems with Peter David writing X-Factor. Okay. Because I hear, although I never read, some of his other stuff has been good. Yeah, I, I, but I, I'm a big fan of Peter David. So. This is what... But I don't way, X-Factor. Like, it, it, this happens a lot in all different forms of entertainment media. Just because someone did something that was good doesn't mean they can do anything and it's always good. Except for Matt Fraction. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, just because Peter David's writing X Factor does not make what you're reading good. <laughs> well, and like I said, I, I'm not reading X Factor, so I can't speak to that. Well, I, I've bashed X Factor in the past. This was a good issue. Was I it? can't lie. It was. It was. It 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 resolved everything that I've been wanting it to resolve. Uh, because you know Madrox has been stuck in the future, and just I'm tired of stories like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, at the end, all that gets resolved. The best thing about this book was the, I guess, filler, the backup. Yeah, that's it. There we go. Backup. Uh, filler. <laughs> at, at the very end of the book, after the main story has been resolved and all that, it goes into the Invisible Woman has vanished, uh, in which uh, Franklin and I think it's Valera, yeah, Valeria, the, Richard, the daughter, the, yeah, yeah, they go they go to X Factor uh, and ask for their help uh, because apparently their mom has disappeared. Mm-hmm. And you know they have to explain why why isn't Reed Richards handling them and stuff and it it yeah and why didn't they go to the other members of the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. but you know they explain that well they're they're not really talking to the kids about it because they're kids yada yada, yada. and I guess this is the kids attempt to go find some D list superheroes and take a proactive stance on things <laughs> uh, but that's what I want like I like I hear about X Factor being this detective agency. And I'm like five issues into this book, and I have yet to see them do anything detective-like. Like, they just, like, make out with each other and stuff. 
So, that's pretty. De- that's that's really what what ninety percent of detective work is. It's just making it <laughs> with other detectives. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I'm ready for them to start actually hitting cases and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to see if the book improves. I guess that's that's what that's the conclusion I've I've come to is that maybe this book will be good. <laughs> well, cool. Now is Beak <laughs> is Beak in this book? No, but he'd fit right in on the team. <laughs> okay. Let's see, you've got you've got multiple man, the interesting character. Uh huh. Then we'll I, move on from there. I have to tell you, I never liked multiple man until Peter David started writing him. Jamie Madrox was always one of those characters that I hated until Peter David started writing, and I was reading early on in the series, but dropped it a long time ago. Let me tell you something, Aaron. If you take, uh, I don't know. If if you take Jubilee and surround her with a bunch of people who are more lame than she is, she's going to be a good character. <laughs> uh, you've got Banshee's daughter, uh, Siren, I think. Yeah. Huh. Oh, long shot. No more mullet for him. Uh, this dude, Darwin, who I really hate. Uh, the the gay couple Richter and Shatterstar, and uh, the ever X Factor present strong guy. I like strong guy. Why? I don't know. I've just always liked him. He's amused me. I think. Uh, Bear in mind, I, I like him so much. I'm not reading that book. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, he and he does look good in comparison to some of these other members. Hmm. So like, well, why is he strong? <laughs> Why do you keep buying X Factor if you don't oh, like to hate it? To hate because, it, yeah, it's the book that I read that I'm just like ah ah ah. After like Batman all, and Robin for me. After a bunch of other books where I'm just like, oh man, that's so good. I could read this and just be like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it really makes my the other comics that I might not like. I like them because is, of this book. Is it like a, a bowl of sherbet between you know the comics that you like? You know, you clear your palate and then you'll go and read a, you know something that you actually like. <laughs> nice. It's a, it's a palate cleansing book. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, I think it's like eating a turd to. Uh, oh God! <laughs> so, that, so that you can tell your wife her her burnt meatloaf meatloaf tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Marvel should adopt that as their new tagline for that series. <laughs> it's, like eating a it's like eating a turd. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, now, what what what's interesting to me is uh, obviously they're going back to a different numbering system. Or no, are they? No, this was actually X Factor Fifty. It's in December. That's what confused me. It's like, oh, this is issue number fifty, and then they're promoting. X Factor 200 in December. Like, wow, that's a lot of issues to put out between now and December. <laughs> I guess. But I guess original. in December. Yeah, in December they're going back to the old numbering for it, which I don't really care for comic books doing that. But see, hey. I just wish they'd stayed with the original numbering. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, but uh, they don't do that. So, so uh, Justice League of America number 38, <laughs> Paul. James, James Robinson and Mark Bagley's first issue on the series. Yeah, Justice League of America number 38. Um, the Bagley art was good. And I normally, you know, I, I'm uneven 
on my James Robinson stuff. You uh-huh. know, sometimes I really like his stuff. Sometimes I'm not a big fan. I didn't care for this issue, and I think I didn't care for this issue because it's really him just trying to finish what was already done yeah. before he can start his own thing. Yeah. I don't well, know if I'm going to pick it up until his new team starts because that'll actually, I think, feel like the beginning of the run. Well, and this book is very much the placeholder for to, to set the pace of the book. You know, it's trying as you can see on the last page, they're bringing them into Blackest Night in the next issue. Yeah. Um, and this was the book where you know we can't advance the story any, so let's go ahead and tell you know this story that we can. Uh, by the way, who is the little bird dude on the first couple of pages? The little Beak. bird dude. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh. Did Grant Morrison write this book? <laughs> he did not. It was uh, no. James Robinson. Uh, who's the little bird guy? He is. Um, damn, what is his name? Ah, I don't remember his name. Hey. Birdie. Blue Jay. Blue Jay. <laughs> okay. He um do I know anything about his character? I'm not that wasn't what I was asking. I just wanted to know who the hell he was. And I you know, I I was like, wow, he's he's kind of small and you know, he's really small. <laughs> That's I, I'm just thinking that those probably aren't the powers you want to have. So uh Whose boot is that? You, know, you see him lying next to the guy who shot him, but all you see is the guy's shoe. Um, it's, yeah, I guess it's not Despero, who's the villain of the book. Is it? Does Despero have shoes on? Um, uh, it's not Despero, because it's not the same color that uh, Despero wears. True. I don't um, know. I, I, I guess it's that's supposed hot, to be a build-up. That kind of looks like Hawkman. Doesn't that look like Hawkman's shoes? Yeah, it could be. I'm going to have to go into a search on it. I guess it's not important right now. Aaron, why do you spend time studying Hawkman's shoes? <laughs> I have a little fetish. Uh, You're like, oh, rec- I could recognize that boot anywhere. Well, I just feel like I need <laughs> to I need to do some, some hardcore detective work here. There you go. <laughs> this book was filler. I mean, that's what this book was. This this book was, you know, let's, let's, hold, let's get a title out this month that, you know uh, – can set our pace into the next story. Clearly, you know, these are the heroes that are going to dissolve out and they're not going to be with the new team. Kind of with you about sitting on the sidelines until the the new team comes out. But since the bastards are going to tie it into Blackest Night next month, yeah, that's what I have to pick that up. That's how they sucker you in. That's right. Because, that's right. Like, because we're idiots, Paul. Yeah, because <laughs> they know. They know that nothing that people are going to like, oh, well, I'll just wait till the actual team book starts. Right. But damn, Blackest Night's happening in this book, so I might as well buy it. Well, and the good news is is that they can kill all of these characters. <laughs> <laughs> Every single Except Zatanna. Yeah, I, I don't want Zatanna dead. Well, and you know that, sh- that goes along with you know my standard rule. If she's wearing fishnets, we have to keep her. So uh, I, I am all about the hero ladies and their fishnet stockings. Oh, yeah. That's how we keep getting on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Jonathan puts on the fishnets. We bring him on the podcast. So <laughs> A small price to pay. That really is. It really is. Um, so uh, another big team book was uh, Ultimate Avengers number three, which I haven't read yet. But I think, uh, uh, Paul, you and Jonathan read that one? Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to drop the book. <laughs> 
because they set up some mysteries that I want to know, but I don't know if I care enough to keep reading. Yeah. I, I didn't care for this book. I just like I didn't care for the second issue. Um, I'm just not digging it. I, I don't know why. Because, you know, I like I like the Ultimates 1 and 2. But I'm not digging this storyline. Yeah. Because this isn't the Ultimates 1 and 2. This is some other bastard child. <laughs> uh, it's... It, it, it's so bad, X-Factor can't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated this book. I loathed it with every page. Just more and more until at the end I was just disgusted. Yeah, you know, and th- they have a Spider-Man in this book, and that's the mystery I was talking about. There's a Spider-Man in this book who you don't know his Id- his identity, so it's it's kind of funny because they're creating alternate versions of no- established heroes. You know, because yeah. they can't have Iron Man, so they create an Iron Man. They can't have Spider-Man, so they create a Spider-Man. Sounds a lot like Dark Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, and it, it, actually, the created Iron Man was the only thing that I liked. Yeah, like oh, I and like creating a Hulk. Yeah, hmm. At least they didn't make him red. Yeah, true. <laughs> but I, I think honestly, I think this is probably my last issue of Ultimate Avengers. Really? Despite the the, the pretty art, um, I just I I hate every character in this book, and I can't read a book where I hate every single character in the book. Well, you can. <laughs> I can, but it, it seems it seems pointless to spend four dollars. On a book where I hate everybody yeah. and I don't enjoy reading about them. Yeah, I agree. I I hate everyone in this book too. It, the characters are they're all asses. Like, do you get that? The like, yeah, they're like, all asses. The the Dark Avengers have have team members that have more merit than these guys. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> I agree. You know what this book reminds me of? This book reminds me of Mark Miller's. Wanted, where everyone is just a complete bastard, no one's likable, and you know, it, I, I guess it worked for Wanted, but it's not working. And I honestly, I didn't like Wanted either, but it's not working on this. You know, instead of Tony Stark, they have his older brother, who's oh, and, more of a dick. <laughs> oh God, he's a dick. But all right, now they're bringing in all these dick characters, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have Nick Fury. Who was in Ultimates one and two, and why has he suddenly become more of a dick? Yeah, like, not only that, he's getting stupider. It seems to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's here's a here's a line from the book that really pissed me off about Nick Fury because I like the Ultimates Nick Fury more than the than the regular Marvel Nick Fury. I like oh, the I black guy that. over the white guy. <laughs> so, but all right. This this way he says in, in reference to Tony Stark's brother, the man's a damn nightmare, but he's ten times smarter than Tony is and completely amoral. In other words, just the kind of guy I like doing business with. Since when? <laughs> yeah did you get did you get that impression in the first uh, in the first two miniseries that that was not at all. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, when did when did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I did not care for this book. This book has one redeemable quality: the art. Yeah, I thought the art was just 
it blew me away, especially uh, the War Machine stuff in the last few pages, like the big splash page at the end of the book with yeah, War Machine, yeah. Captain America. I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Uh, doesn't make up for a bad story, though. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I am. I am done with Ultimate Avengers. I'm a, I am, fortunately, am not. But. <laughs> he needs a new palate-cleansing book since uh, X-Factor turned out to be good. Well, I'm going to read yeah. Ultimate Avengers this week, and I'll let you know what I think about it. So, I mean, because, you know, you guys, your, your taste in books is questionable. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, uh, Paul, did you read Dr. Voodoo this week? I did, you know. Um, I and, and I, wait a minute, Jonathan, you read Doctor Voodoo this week, right? Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, not all of us read a. I think a single book on this podcast did all of us read the same comic. I think that's right. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's not intentional. In that, some of our books didn't make it to our to our pools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, I did pick up. Dr. Voodoo, which I think was not a this week book. I think it was a last week. Actually, it may have been two weeks ago, to be honest with you. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah it, it may it, have been two weeks ago. If you look at the Marvel website, it says it came out October 7th. Oh, wow. I am. <laughs> yeah, because I think Dr. Voodoo number I'm two human. comes out next week. Yeah, Dr. Voodoo number two comes out on Wednesday. And Dr. Voodoo oh, number one, according to Marvel, and Marvel has been wrong in the past, but it says in stores October 7th. See, I'm wondering if my comic book shop just isn't carrying that book because all right like i know that mistakes are tend to happen especially when i have the uh i have such a crazy pull list and like when, you know when i created my pull list most people you know they write down what they want on their pull list well you know for me i'm just like if it's by marvel put it in there mm-hmm. it doesn't always happen so whenever uh kelly pulls out the comics for me each week I will then be like, okay, hold these, and I will browse the shelf to see if there's anything that he's got that I missed, just to make sure I got everything. Right. I have not seen Dr. Voodoo, yeah. so I'm wondering if he just isn't carrying it, and that's why it didn't make it to my pull list. He's maybe. like, I'm not ordering Dr. Voodoo. Or maybe like, he only picked up a couple, <laughs> maybe he only picked up a couple of issues of it, you know? And he's like, wow, selling out. but you know i only picked it up because dr voodoo is the new sorcerer supreme you know if it was just a dr voodoo series i don't think i'd care but because he's the new sorcerer supreme and i haven't read that storyline in new avengers i actually just picked up the trade on friday it's good yeah so i'm looking forward to reading that because the dr voodoo Avenger of the Supernatural. Uh, it's written by Rick Remender, who, like I was telling you with uh, The Punisher, you know, I loved that book. And the art is by uh, something Palo, Palo, uh, Jefte Palo, J E F T E P A L O. So, um, this book kicks ass. This book really kicks ass. It's, uh, it's like a Marvel Hellboy. Just rub it in my face. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I loved everything about this book. The art is great. The writing is great. I love the supernatural mysticism of it. Doctor Voodoo, you know, he he really just kicks ass. He does battle with Doctor Doom 
floating through different dimensions as they fight, like just <laughs> falling through different dimensions. It, it's it's awesome. This this book is just full of cool imagery, cool moments. Pick up Doctor Voodoo, uh, number one. You know, if you don't know the character, there's a one of those Marvel encyclopedia things in the back. That, mm, that's handy. Yeah, so you can read all about his character and who he is uh, from when he was Brother Voodoo. And, uh, you know, this book, just great stuff. Absolutely. You know, like I said, I would compare it to a Hellboyish type book, but um, not not as much humor. Yeah. You know, it's very serious, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Well, oh. I guess I'll yeah. plan on picking it up then. <laughs> yeah. Hey, pick it up when you pick up number two next week. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I was looking at uh, what's coming out this coming week, and uh, Haunt number two comes out this week. Oh, look at that. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll get to talk about that next week when we have you on, Jonathan. Yeah. And awesome. um, Necrosia when we have Jonathan on next week, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Nova number 31 comes out this week. So oh. we got we we have some we can we can follow up quickly on a couple of things that, that we chatted about today. Holy crap! Right. The, did Nova come out last week or something? Or yeah, they, I think so. Wh- why did it just get into my pull list this week? Ah. <laughs> 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 oh, my comic <laughs> guy and I are going to have a discussion. Oh, a, a sternly worded conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's going to punch him in I'm, the neck. <laughs> I'm a the podcasting community. People are counting on me. That's right. That's right. You, I think it's important for you to begin your conversations. Do you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Well, guys, this I, is fun. I only spend. I only like Aaron. I've told you before. I I only spend. Uh, I'd say a good ten percent of my income on <laughs> his shop. Yeah. At least I can ask for is a little Doctor Voodoo every now and then. Damn straight. Well, guys, this was fun this week. Yeah, jam-packed ish, uh, issue. Jam-packed episode of Funny Books with Aaron <laughs> and, and Polly. And, and there's, there's some things we'll uh, follow up on next week. Like, for instance, we didn't get to uh, Detective Comics this week, but we'll uh, chat about that next week. And much, much more. Thank that, you, everybody. Oh, and before we hang oh, up, yeah. um, you know, normally we, we talk about uh, contests and, and whatnot in this part of the show. But, uh, you know, Jonathan, in addition to guesting on our uh, podcast from time to time, uh, also occasionally writes a little column for us. Um, <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> what the hell, Jonathan? <laughs> uh, I know, I know you're, you're not the only one who's, uh, who's mentioned it. Joe, on our, most, on our uh, last episode, mentioned it. Like, how come you're not writing relapse anymore? Uh, I I am, you know. <laughs> uh, I I I have really I have trouble with starting things. Sure. <laughs> um. So like when I started writing relapse before, if you remember, it was a while between when I talked to you and when I finally gave you something. Right. Uh, and that was because one of our our listeners over at Kicked in the Dice Bags, Michael. Uh. He kind of helped me get started where he's like, well, if you don't want to write it, just talk and I'll write it. So he pretty much wrote what I what I spoke. And uh-huh. once the first article came out, then I was able to sit down and, and write them myself. Uh, myself. Uh-huh. Now that relapses, I have to get started again. 
I'm having that similar trouble where so I want Michael to, to to scribe for you. Yeah, I I want to do different different types of articles rather uh-huh. than just uh, you know reviewing the, the quick review of the three books, uh, and it's just getting started. Uh, like I already know what I want to what I want to do for my for my next article. I've known for weeks. It just <laughs> it's just sitting down to write it. Yeah. We look forward to seeing it when it comes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> It'll get, because I, I am I am filled with a desire to do another relapse article now that the relapse banner is gone. <laughs> like I need to put out an article to get that back up there. <laughs> but you can find Jonathan every week, right? Almost every On other many websites and podcasts. Uh, when our, when our when our podcast goes up, it'll be 32 weeks in a row, unhindered. Wow! Thanks. Yeah. And now, where uh, can they find that podcast? Uh, Kickthedustbags.libsyn.com. And you can also find a friendly link over at SpookyOuthouse.com. Yes. Very good. So good, it's scary. I hear that. <laughs> All right, guys. You guys have a good one. We'll chat with you later. Thanks, everybody. Later. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit MarkAndrewPope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.